What's up, Pitt fans? Chris Carter, Noah Hiles here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for another Pitt mailbag. Carter, uh, football season, it, it's like season 2.0 is underway yes. with the coaching carousel and the transfer portal. We're going to talk a lot about that. Basketball, volleyball playoffs also uh, in the in the thick of things. We're going to discuss all of that. Before we do, though, we got to talk about our show's presenting sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether if you're in town for a Steelers, Pirates, or Pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town, as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local craft or local beers, as well as their 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you can dream of. And trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do, and I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you'd like your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. So, Carter, like I said, football offseason, which is season 2.0, basketball, volleyball, just want to get a wellness check on you. How are you hanging in here, man? I'm doing just great, man. It's it's a fun time of the year, though I am getting tired of having to talk to everybody about every transfer portal decision. But, hey, that's part of the job, baby. And I, I think it's always interesting, like, just seeing the ex- escalation, and I just – I wonder – how much bigger can this get? How much wilder can the transfer portal get? Because just covering it over the past few years, it is it just gets crazier and crazier every season. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this wasn't a question, but I do think that this is just an interesting topic to spend a couple minutes on because I, I just don't see how this can continue for another 10 years. Like something has to get. I don't know yeah. if it's going to be legislation. I don't know if eventually the – financial bubble is going to burst and boosters are just going to say, you know what? We can't keep doing this. We, we can't keep giving away millions upon millions of dollars just for these guys to leave in a couple of years, regardless of circumstance, be it another transfer or going pro. Um, I, I just don't see how this current state of college athletics is sustainable. And I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very pro transfer portal. I'm very pro NIL. But just the way things have been going recently, it's just like I, I don't realistically see how this can continue without something changing, be it more rules or just the market evening itself out. Do you agree, Carter, or do you think it's just kind of going to continue to progress like this forever? I think that there's going to be a cutoff point where people find a way to manage it. I mean, this has always been this is a, this is American one America one on one, right? Like, yeah. you know. There's there's always if there's a product or if there's something that that the powers that be control, they will control it as long as they, they will keep it away from happening as long as it can until they can regulate it. They thought they could regulate it before. I think that right now they're they're still OK with how it's progressed. But the more and more money that some of these college players make and the, and the less control they have, they'll find a way to cap it. I don't know what that would be. I've, I'm not too imaginative on college football policy as far as how they would limit things. Uh, but. It certainly is uh, is going to be a challenge for them moving forward because 
the the asking power and players realizing their power in these negotiations is getting stronger. And I don't think that's actually a bad thing. I think it's actually a no, good thing yeah. for the for the players. It's a great thing for the players. They deserve to be making whatever money they they feel like they should be able to make. But just knowing how the powers that be works, and just how, especially in college football, they're going to find a way to use their power to take the leverage back at some point. I just don't know what that'll be. Right. So we'll we'll start on that topic with the transfer portal. Michael wants to know why is the defense losing so many guys to the portal when that's been Pitt's strength? Yet few significant contributors on offense have left. It seems incredibly backwards. Also, I know they need guys to leave to clear up space for scholarships and the incoming class. Um, I think that's part of it right there. I'll start off with this. If you look at it, I, I I'm pretty sure I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I'm pretty sure Pitt has more defensive guys in their 2024 recruiting class than they their offensive. Um, so that explains part of it. You look at some of the departures at specific positions, linebacker. I mean, I know there, there are three linebackers in this 2024 class, so you got to make room for them somehow. So that's going to lead to guys like Bengali Kamara and Brandon George who have an extra year of eligibility. And while I'm sure a lot of Pitt fans would have been elated to see those guys back someone's got to go like you can't just mm-hmm. hold down a roster spot forever and while I'm sure Pitt probably fought harder to retain some guys than others in the portal there are some guys where if you if you're Pitt and you find out what player x is potentially going to get offered in the portal and say it's not worth it it's not worth it for not, not worth it for us to try to compete with that offer because we have to we have to think long term about the program here if you're pit. So I think that's part of it. And another another part of it is just money talks, man. That's just the 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 reality of the situation. You talked about Michael brought up how Pitt's defense is its strength. Well, those are the guys that have good tape that are producing. Their value's at an all-time high. Let's talk about a guy who entered the portal Monday and I think is by far the most significant departure that Pitt's seen this offseason, Sam Okanlola. I mean, yeah. that is a huge blow That's to not huge. only Pitt's defense next year, but multiple years moving forward. I thought that that's probably, and I've said this many times, I thought he was Pitt's next star defensive lineman. And I think it's pretty clear what led to his departure. If you look all of last week, Charlie Partridge was retweeting Alliance 412 stuff talking and expressing the importance of NIL. Now we know why. Yeah. And I mean, Charlie hasn't reached out to me directly and told me that's exactly why I tweeted it. But I, I think there's enough reason to believe that, yeah, he saw NIL poach DeAndre Jules, uh, who I'm sure he would have loved to have back. And Sam Okanlola, who I don't know how many defensive players had a brighter future than him on this team. So that's a big loss, and NIL plays a part in that. So money talks and roster space also plays a factor. Especially when there's a very clear suitor that's always been present for Sam Okanlola who has a lot of money to spend, and that's the University of Miami, where his brother Samson Okanlola plays. And He's going. going. I thought he was He's going. I I apologize. Yeah. 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 But but still, um, that's – that's got to be a factor, and I would not be shocked to see if Samuel Okanlola goes to my goes to Miami uh, any anytime soon, um, because that would make a whole lot of sense there. But uh, but yeah, I, I'd say NIL plays a big part big part in this. 
Um, and like you said, defense, the fact that they've had the playmakers, people want those playmakers. You know, I've heard rumblings that there's that they're not the only guys that have been approached or at least have been, you know, they've been concerned about protecting on the defense on the defensive side. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, guys like Brandon George, guys like Bengali Kamara, even though I think Bengali Kamara was a bigger loss than Brandon George. No, no shot to Brandon. I just right. think that, you know, Bengali just had the the bit the better athletic profile. Um, but. I, you know, guys like that made made a little bit more sense because they were seniors, and there were so many young players that that came up for Pitt this year. And Pitt has to make the tough decisions. This isn't the 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 uh, um, the COVID era where you get to keep 140 people or however many you want because they recognize that you're you're going to be allowed to keep. Pitt has to make tougher decisions now, and so part of those tougher decisions are saying, "Hey, do we want to?" keep this young guy on the bench for two more years, potentially lose him to the transfer portal, or do we want to play them up right now and try to grow them for the next two or three years and, and, and see what they develop into? Uh, I think that's what Pitt's going to, is going to have to decide. And more teams are going to have to decide across all of college sports. So um, I, I think those made sense, but you're right. Sam Oak and Lola, that's a, that's a serious blow because he was, he was on the trajectory to be the next big thing on the defensive line. Um, and there was a future where you envisioned guy, a guy, maybe like Sean Fitz, Simmons, Isaiah Neal, Ghost at defensive tackle, uh, rotating with Elliot Donald, um, and then you get the the new kid Josiah Whittington in, and then you'd have Dayon Hayes on the edge with Samuel. Like there is a vision for like a really interesting group of defensive linemen, and there's still a vision for that to happen. But Oklahoma was a big part of that vision, yeah. and they still have guys like Nakai Johnson and other guys they could they could grow into. But Oklahoma was the guy that came up this year and looked good, and that's yeah. what makes it really disappointing. It is. I, I would compare it to Kenny Johnson leaving the offense if he were to do that, which mm, I don't think he's comparison. going to. But like, and that might not even be a fair comparison because I think Okanola was more productive than Kenny Johnson at his respective position this year. No shade to Kenny Johnson either. I'm just talking right. numbers. Um, we'll stay on the portal here. Randy wants to know which player returning was more of a surprise for you, Rodney Hammond Jr. or Gavin Bartholomew? Uh, Carter, you can start. That's a tough one. I, I gotta say, I gotta say Gavin because I think he could have had more suitors. But I mean, you could I could say either or. I guess the, the answer is yes because Rodney Hammond, uh, just the way that he was used this year, I just thought that he was definitely going to be gone. He he was being he was splitting with an older guy on the team. Though Rodney at all times declared how he how much respect he had for Sebo and how he was like when Sebo's in, it's like me me being out there. So it's like I I, I was I wasn't sure if that was Rodney Hammond just giving some player speak there because he knows that's the smart thing to say, or if he really meant it. And it seems like with him staying, he really meant it, and he's not holding it against Pitt. So I did I I. I I'm kind of surprised to see that there. Um, also, like we've talked about on the on this show, there were times where we asked Andre Powell, the pit running back coach, if you know if Rodney could be the bell cow or if you know if he could wear defenses down. And, and Andre Powell was like, "What makes you think he can do that?" And I'm like, and I was like, "Whoa!" I was give, trying to give you a layup question there to talk, you know, positively around Rodney, and you chose not to. So that's interesting to me. But Gavin, I just think that there the, that guy put out some serious highlight tape and. There was a. I'm sure there's a lot of people who wanted to who wanted to get him involved, and he wasn't used. He hasn't been used for two years. Like it would be different if this year, like he was getting used, and, and he and he said, "Hey, I can see my place in this offense." But I thought Gavin was going to seriously consider. You know what? These guys aren't throwing me the ball enough. It's been two seasons. I'm out of here. Um, so 
I'm 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 kind of even on how I'm both I'm being surprised about both staying, but hey, good sign for Pitt because both of those guys I see as important playmakers next season. Yeah, uh, I'll. It's tough. Um, it is. I think just obviously I have a better relationship with Gavin than Rodney just because I hosted a podcast with them. And yeah. Um, one thing I've gathered with Gavin is the guy loves Pitt. Pitt was his only Power Five offer. Uh, you know, some people probably viewed him as like a lower end guy in his recruiting class. And he came in here and he had an immediate impact. And I think that that meant a lot with him or to him. And I think that stuck with him. I think with Gavin, he was always trying to find a reason why he should stay, you know? And, and but I get my surprise with Gavin and I don't know exactly what was out there for him. You hear rumors, you get an idea, uh, but I mean, the man tagged Alliance four one two in his returning post, so you would have to assume NIL played a certain role in his decision to come back to Pittsburgh. And I think my surprise for me is Pitt must have ponied up a decent penny there, or yeah. Alliance four one two did, and that's a big price to pay for an asset, while obviously valuable you have not been able to figure out how to utilize and you don't know what the next offensive system is going to be. So that that's where the surprise was. I think for me where Rodney, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Rodney, it just, the tea leaves made it seem like he was going to be gone just because he wasn't being used and the coaching staff didn't seem to be on the same page as far as how they viewed him. Um, but a running back, you can, you can, pretty easily get the running back involved and Rodney when healthy, I think was used to his full potential, maybe just one or two games, but still for, whereas for Gavin, you don't know what this next offense is going to look like scheme wise and to make a sizable investment to bring him back and, and potentially fend off other suitors, which he alluded to on his podcast. He said there were other teams pursuing him and you just look at the market out there now I don't think it's out of the question to to presume that you're talking six figures probably he was offered by these teams. I'd say. And I don't know what Pitt or what Alliance 412 offered to get him back. Um, it's none of my business, quite frankly. But uh, if Pitt were to either match those offers or at the very least give an offer that would be competitive, that would maybe – allow him to take in a hometown discount and stay back. That's a gamble because you need every dollar you can have at your fingertips right now. If you're Alliance 412 and absolutely Gavin Bartholomew is worth it, but you don't know if that value is going to translate into production, not on his fault, but on past examples of not being able to get him the football. So I was shocked on that for both ends. I didn't know if it would be in the collective's financial interest to aggressively pursue retaining him, but it clearly was. And I think it's a good call um, for no other reason than you can't let your best players leave. They went out and did it. I'm just kind of shocked that they, they actually went through with it. So 
Uh, we'll move on now. Ryan wants to know, uh, with all the quarterbacks now in the portal, will Pitt consider bringing one in? I'll start with this. <laughs> right now, they have five quarterbacks on scholarship, right? Or four, excuse me. Because Vayer is back. Yes. Yarnell is yes. back. Diefenbach yes. is back. And Duggar is coming in. He's enrolling early. He'll be a student at Pitt next month. So that's four. Do they typically have more than four quarterbacks on scholarship? I don't think so. No. So unless if one of those four aforementioned names leaves, and I doubt Yarnell is going to leave because he is, as Narduzzi said at the end of the season, the starter. I don't think Vayer can leave until he graduates because he's already transferred once. Um, I guess Diefenbach could transfer or Duggar could decommit. I don't see that fourth one happening. So there is potential, but in order to bring someone in, you got to get someone to leave too. That's part of it. And, and that could happen whenever they make an offensive coordinator decision. Maybe they hire an OC candidate that has a connection to a QB in the portal and they straight up say, Hey, I'm bringing in my guy, Yarnell. You're not going to start. You might as well leave. Or, hey, Ty Diefenbach, you don't fit in the system anymore. You got to go. Maybe that's the case. But as things currently stand, it's hard to see them going through those logistics, one. And two, Chris, I'm, and I'm sure this is the point you're going to hammer, it's a lot of money to get a good quarterback in the portal. It is. So I'll let you focus on that point. Well, that's the whole thing here is that you have to make smart decisions. Like Pitt is not – like Texas A&M just dropped $70 million just to get rid of a coach. Pitt isn't doing some stuff like yeah. that. They don't have those kind of resources. So if you're the university of Pittsburgh and you're the athletic department, you have, you have a choice to make, you have a certain amount of resources. And listen, the collective is obviously doing a good job. They were able to keep Gavin Bartholomew. They were able to keep Rodney Hammond. They, they, they have targets that they're going to bring in. And listen, you might be able to get a decent guy in the transfer portal for not too expensive, but you can't go and get like the big dog here, especially when I think you got Nate Yarnell who performed well this year. And you've now gone two seasons where you have used a transfer quarterback, multiple transfer quarterbacks that haven't worked out. And then the guy that you, that, that worked the best for your team was the one that, that you recruited out of high school all along. I think Pitt cannot afford to spend big at quarterback when they can go spend big at other key positions, maybe like cornerback. We'll still wait to see what happens with MJ Devonshire, maybe at wide receiver because Bub Means is headed to the NFL. Maybe like the line. offensive line, the defensive line where they just lost a guy in Samuel Okanlola. Build up other key parts of this roster and, and, and do that. And you know what? Give Nate Yarnell a chance here because I think he earned it with the way that he, he played at the end of the season. And there were there were plenty of times it wasn't just you know him just you know just having a strong arm and playing through the tough. He was making good reads. He was giving good effort. I think that he, that he that he's earned that. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to go get a guy in the portal if 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 you see a guy that's attainable and doesn't cost you you know six figures of money. But if you can if you can go get a guy that. Does if you can go get a guy that doesn't work that that's fine, but you can build up with that. You can use that money to build up so many other parts of your team that need to be addressed right now. Yeah, and I mean on that note too, it's just like I'm interested to see how fast the portal moves now because we're in day one when we're recording this. I mean, all the names haven't even been entered yet, right? But there are some big time quarterback names out there. Once a couple of places. Once a couple of guys are off the board, I think it's going to take some time for one or two to go.
But once the first couple of chairs start to be filled, I think you're going to see a lot of quick movement. Yep. Um, and and while I, I wouldn't put it past Pitt to make a sizable investment because they made a sizable, sizable investment in their last two off seasons at quarterback. They paid Phil a pretty penny and they paid Keaton something nice too. So and they probably have more money in the collective now than they've done in recent years, just based off of the fundraising efforts that we've seen. So they, I think they can go spend six figures on a quarterback, but I don't know if the timeline also is going to work that way. Just with the OC, are you going to bring in a quarterback before you know what system he's playing in? They did that two years ago and look how it played out with Slovis. So, I mean, they thought they had the, the system, but then Whipple left and it kind of, screwed everything over so which brings us to our next point and i'm sure this is what a lot of people tuned in to hear uh, and there's a reason i waited until our fourth question to bring this up because this offensive coordinator search is insane um it's driving me crazy and uh i don't know when it's gonna end there's a chance this this could all be settled by the time we put this out tuesday morning and I'm going to have to go and delete this part of the video and podcast. Or there's going to be an update that's not included in this. That's just how these searches work. Uh, so, But Emmett wants to know, any updates on the offensive coordinator search? I'm getting nervous that there uh, that nothing has been finalized yet with the portal now open. I would be nervous too if I were a Pitt fan. Uh, I, I was told that this would be settled by the weekend. Uh, it clearly hasn't. And... You know, I I heard from other people after reporting that that it you know what hey it it, it might not be Sunday was going to be a big day. I heard that there was at least one interview that took place Sunday. Not exactly sure as who that was, and there are names that we can mention. But the longer this stretches on, I know you don't want to take. I know you want to take your time. You don't want to rush it and just hire someone. But I think this goes back to why. If you fired Signetti less than 24 hours after your season ended, why didn't you just fire him mid-season? You could have started to search a lot earlier. And you could have been interviewing people Monday morning. Uh, and I don't think that's been the case with Pitt here. So I've heard a couple of names. I heard, obviously, Brandon Streeter. Or, or not, excuse me. Brian McClendon has been the number one name that popped up a lot late last week for both Chris and myself. Um, his name since cooled down. I, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't know if it's enough information for me to be like, Oh, he's out of the running or whatever, but I, I haven't heard anything definitive on him making progress in that role. Brandon Streeter's another name, obviously another Georgia assistant uh, that was tied in. There's still discussion about him coming in with McClendon. Uh, Brian McClendon as the OC mm-hmm. uh, or as the quarterback coach. If McClendon's the OC Streeter could also be an OC himself. I mean, the guy was the OC at Clemson not long ago. Uh, and then the third name, and this was original, I'll give props. It was originally reported by Chris peak of Panther layer, Cade bell, uh, who I, I read it from his report and I, I, I did some digging on my own. And it looks like there is some smoke to that as well that he looks to be another candidate. He's currently the OC at Western Carolina, which is not an FBF school. Um, 
but some people believe that he's already been interviewed for this job. I, I haven't been able to confirm that, but that's what's been reported. So those are the three names that I've heard the most attention toward. But today was unexpectedly quiet for me. Mm. I fully anticipated getting multiple texts from sources before noon today telling me that they have their guy and it's in the final steps or, or maybe just something, but there, there have been no new leads on my end. Um, as of 5 PM Monday evening, Carter, do you, what about you? Do you have anything else to chip in here? Cause you've got your own search party going on on your neck of the woods as well. That's the thing is that we've been asking around and it, it went radio silence this weekend. There was a lot of buzzing on just uh, on the names. Yeah, especially going in. And it's just it's just that 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 is peculiar to me. And especially because and listen, part of it could be, you know, we would we've been th- we've been talking about, you know, Georgia guys, you know, McClendon and Streeter. Those are two guys that, you know, their team took a tough one this, this past weekend. Maybe that impacts something. Maybe it doesn't. But I do know this. I have sources that tell me that Pitt has prioritized needing to make an OC decision very quickly. Right. And like you said, not a rush, but go through that process. It's kind of like the, when, when, you know, when, when I'm covering the Steelers and they have a priority thing to lock down, they lock down that and then they handle everything else after that. That's what needs to be on Pat Narduzzi's uh, top agenda every single day is getting an OC and then with that OC, figuring out which offensive staff are going to work best with him. Because I don't think it's a guarantee that everyone on the offensive staff is going to be wanted by that OC, especially if the Georgia guys are a package deal. Because if they are, then it's like, okay, well, some, other people are going to have to move around, um, and I'm sure that they're going to want other guys as well. So – I have a lot of I have a lot of things that uh, that I think need to happen very quickly. I think they, they need to find a an offensive coordinator who is uh, is prudent to passing the ball and creating better situations for quarterbacks and managing a quarterback and managing you know you know help you know, helping with if Taekwondo under was sticking sticking with the program then you know helping helping with the you know connect the quarterback room to the receiver room because I think that's something that really worked uh, between Whipple and Marion. Uh, in in the year with with Pickett uh, and and him going off with Jordan Addison, but it absolutely needs to be a priority and it needs to happen soon because now the transfer portal is going. Everyone's uh, everyone's making decisions and you want to need to get in front of stuff fast. And signing day is on the twentieth. You are running out of time. The clock is ticking. Pitt got to have something's got to happen for Pitt, and I think it really has to happen this week. Yeah, uh, it's just I mean it's. It's kind of, like I said, I, I, I fully anticipated to wake up Monday and know, uh, or at least know by the time we record this. I mean, we normally record this in the afternoon, yep. but I didn't even reach out to you and ask. And, and you didn't you didn't reach out to me either. I think it was both assumed. We're, we're like, both working. Yeah, we're both like hitting the phones, texting people. I, I'm looking to see who follows who on social media. <laughs> Yeah. doing all that kind of stuff and that's not my sourcing by any means but i'm i'm looking for a, a tea leaf a, a clue lead. or yeah. something and you know i props to anyone who does know right now because i'll say this chris and i anytime there's been a need for big information surrounding pit football in the past i don't know six months or so i feel like we've been able to find it pretty easily yep this is a different beast and yeah I give my I tip my hat to Coach Narduzzi. He's making us work for this one. So good for good for them. But 
I do think that, yeah, if they don't have someone hired by the end of the week, they are, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be good. So we'll keep it moving now. Scott wants to know, Pitt basketball's game against West Virginia Wednesday. Is it a must win? Carter. Ah, must wins are always tough this part of the season. I, I think it would be a very nice win. Um, right now, as the net rankings have just been released recently and you're looking at everything, Pitt is still 60th. They're, they'd technically, technically still be in the dance as, as they as they stand right now at 5-3. and three. And also crazy enough, they're ahead of Florida, who is 4-3, and three, a, a half game behind them, and Florida's beaten them, which is why I still don't understand how net rankings work. I mean, I understand, but I'm just like, I, I don't agree. But um, Pitt, all of Pitt's five, five wins are quad four wins. And they have one loss in quad three, one loss in quad two, one loss in quad one. If Pitt wants to build a resume, West Virginia, I believe, would be quad three right now because they're in the 200s and there's about 360 teams, 362 teams. So that would put them just outside of quad two, which means this would be a quad three game, though, of course, this can fluctuate based on how West Virginia goes this year. Pitt needs to get this win, I think, because yeah. there's a chance that West Virginia could fall to a quad four team with the the, the, the craziness that happened with them in the offseason, and especially when they start Big 12 play and that conference get, gets rolling. So I'm not saying it's a must win, but it's a really, really, be really, really nice to get to, to get this one. If they lose this one, they're going to have to do even more work in the ACC. So you know what? Forget it. I'm saying it. They got to win this game. You got yeah. you win this game. You balance every everything out. I just I have I have a just a, a hesitation to call anything a must win this early in the season. But I, I feel like this 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 is a game where you got to win. Show your team you got some because if you lose this road game, then you you'll get Canisius and then you'll get you know South Carolina State and you'll beat them. But what will that matter? Because then everyone's going to be like, okay, well, beat a Power Five team other than Oregon State and. You know, that won't count for anything. So, so Noah, I'll, I'll let you take it, but I, I'll go with, yeah, this is a must win. It is definitely a must win. I mean, when you say must win, it's it's not like, yeah, if they lose their season's over, there's no point in playing. But you can't put yourself in a, in a spot like you were last year if you're Pitt. And, and I would even argue it's worse because Pitt started off its conference schedule really strong. It, it, it had wins – on the road in, in Raleigh against North NC State, it beat North yep. Carolina at home. They didn't do that. They lost their first ACC game, so that hurts them. And I'm not saying that the, they're doomed in ACC play, but the ACC is a lot better this year than it was last year. It's, it's pretty clear that Duke looks better. North Carolina looks a lot better. Miami's just as competent. Virginia's just as competent. Clemson is a lot better. And we don't know about the rest, but I'm sure, yeah, Boston College probably took a step forward. Um, the league's going to have probably more tournament teams. So if that's the case, then you can't just bank on Pitt running through the ACC early on and, and making yeah. up that ground. Also, for as bad as Pitt's non-conference losses were last year, it still had that Northwestern win. Yeah, that was a big part of what got it over the top. And it does not have that non-conference win this year. And it's not going to come because the rest of their non-conference schedule is against quad four. It's it's weak. They played two notable teams in their non-conference this year, and they lost to both of them. Missouri doesn't count. Missouri made the tournament last year, but Missouri is not good. So you, you lose to – or excuse me, excuse me. 
Oregon State. I, I was yeah, they yeah, played say, Missouri. They played two good SEC teams. Uh, Missouri is okay, I guess, but yeah. Um, I was thinking Clemson was non-conference for some reason. Uh, but yeah, that, that like the Florida loss, the Missouri loss, Pitt really needed to win Sunday, but it'll be okay because that'll look like a good loss at the end of the day. This West Virginia loss will be its worst loss of the year if it loses. So Pitt needs to win. You can't lose. And, there, and it goes deeper than just this season too. You can't continue to lose to your rival especially when everything's finally going wrong for West Virginia and things are finally seeming to go right for your program. You can't go into Morgantown and lay an egg. You got to beat these guys sometime. And this is the year to do it. They're without their best player who's suspended. Their team has a losing record right now. They don't have their head coach. And Pitt's coming off of a great season. It's, it's Sure, it's 5-3 and three right now, but it has a better roster. This is a game that Pitt needs to win. I think West Virginia is a very similar team to Oregon State quality-wise. I understand that the rival atmosphere is going to make this a harder game to win. But guess what? If you're going to be a tournament team, you got to win some hard games. And I think snapping this losing skid and then getting a little bit of momentum heading into Syracuse, which is its next relevant game, really, on December 30th, is what needs to happen here. So it is absolutely a must-win for Pitt. You do not want to lose to West Virginia and then just play a whole bunch of duds, not knowing can we even beat a Power 5 team heading into 2023. Final question from Kirby. Pit Volleyball, best and most exciting Pittsburgh sports team right now. Well, Kirby, it's the only one that's winning. So, yes, uh, that would be my answer. Uh, in, in all seriousness, absolutely. Um, yeah, you can't. I, I will, I'm going to give a shout-out real quick to Abby Schnabel. Uh, she's done a great job covering this run. Yeah, uh, she'll be at the games this week too, covering the Sweet 16 and potentially the Elite Eight again. Maybe a, a rematch against Louisville that would be exciting. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been it's been very impressive to watch. Uh, I covered a little bit of it last year. Haven't covered any of it this year, but just watching it from afar, they have elite talent. They play in incredibly tough teams on their schedule and they win in dramatic fashion. It is very entertaining sport viewing in my opinion. So yes, they are the best and the most exciting team in Pittsburgh right now. And they're winning like the way that you want them to win. Like they, they're a great team. They're so fun to watch. They support each other so well. Like they've had they've had to deal with injuries this year and they bounced back from them. You know, freshman players like Babcock have just stepped up in huge ways for them. You know, it's not just you know stars that they've that they that they have. This is this is pit this pit volleyball is representing very much what Heather like puts out about pit sport pit athletics is that you, you know we our players believe in what we do as a program you know I, I've told this before Valeria Vasquez Gomez who's a superstar for pit volleyball right now two years ago she got benched and she could have left because she was a she was a freshman phenom everyone believed in her uh, and then she got benched because she was she was getting outperformed in practice and you know she she could have left she could have said I'm in the transfer port I'm going somewhere she could have started pretty much anywhere in college volleyball could have gone to a rival that had a, had a lot of talent on it instead she stuck it out fought her way through earned her spot back and now she's one of the captains of the team uh, you know stuff like that i think speaks a lot to what uh to, to what to what pit want, wants athletics to be like for this program and this volleyball is very much holding that up right now uh at, at such a high standard and, and to be honest you know 
though that those environments that Pitt has created at the at both at the yeah. Pete and the Fitzgerald Fieldhouse, they've been spectacular. And uh just that's been a lot of that's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, so if you get a chance to go to if you get a chance to see Pitt volleyball play, I suggest you take it and you uh you don't have to know too much about the game. You'll learn you'll learn about it pretty quickly. I did. Uh, and because I, I didn't know much about volleyball before I had to study for it last year to get ready for covering them in the tournament last year. Um, so you'll you'll learn about it. But trust me, when you do, you'll grow a quick appreciation for these hardworking, butt kicking women who are playing very well for Pitt right now. Well said, Carter, any final thoughts? Just that I'm excited to go back to Morgantown, baby. It's going to be a fun Wednesday night. Be sure to check out all of our coverage at post-gazette.com. Please hire an offensive coordinator. Look at me. Look at me. I'm miserable. <laughs> I can't enjoy anything. I can't leave my phone. Carter's answering. I'm talk answering questions on the mailbag, and I see Twitter DMs or emails, and I'm like, oh, God, is that it? Is that is that it? Is that it? Is that the one? Just hire someone. Someone break this story. If I don't break it, I don't even care anymore. Someone, please. Um, although I would like to break it because that's what we're paid to do. Uh, follow us on social media. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And keep tuning in to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network for all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.